Andrew Gosen, or G as we know him, is an absolute savage in business. I, I, I've known him for years now. He's coached me, I've coached him. He's just a wonderful human being, a very, very high level, high performance human. I was like, dude, I just gotta get you on the podcast because I wanted to look at him and from my perspective as well as I wanna look and I wanna learn about the mindset that it takes. And this is gonna be wonderful for anybody who is in business, anyone who wants to be more successful, particularly in the online space, and learn what it takes to make a rapidly growing business thrive and succeed. G works in the fitness space, he's helped women with menopause, he's helped women with hypothyroidism, and he's also helped fitness coaches make more money online. He's very, very good at what he does. And so we had to get him on here because anyone who fits that bill, if you have any interest in that, this is gonna be absolutely wonderful for you. There's so much knowledge that's gonna come out. Because what we do and we cover in this is we cover the key mindset changes we need to make in order to be successful. Where G started and how he actually became successful is very, very important to look at those who are successful because success leaves clues. And then on top of that, what are the most important parts of business that you need to take into account if you wanna be successful in the long term? So without further ado, let's get cracking on into the interview because there's a heap of pearls in here. Easy, man. We're live. Let's do it. So, bro, so obviously before we were just on, we are just discussing. Uh, I mean, the real reason why I wanted, wanted you to get, to get you on is because you're dominating, right? You've got businesses, multiple businesses online, which make between seven and eight figures, and they're doing pretty fucking well. And I want to get you on because there's a lot of people who want to do this. Like I see everywhere someone is selling shit on how to make money online. Like just today, I saw someone that I know has not made a dollar online selling selling you like a course or trying to talk about how to make money online. And so I was like, fuck, why don't I get someone on who actually knows how to make money properly, but also like look at your mindset and like how you actually got started. Because a lot of people think that it's just like, oh yeah, you just run some Facebook ads and then you just make money. But there's like a whole massive mindset of it, man. So that was like the big thing I wanted to get on. But like with you, obviously it started very, very young, like your journey into entrepreneurship. Could you run us through like, what was what was your first moment of business and there's a lot there's a lot i mean i can't remember the very first one i've always been super super entrepreneurial i think like throughout school i was always wheeling and dealing trying to sell things to people and one of the first things that i did my mom she likes to collect things she likes to buy shit and we were at a fair and people were just selling off like loads and loads of blocks of chocolate right and they were coming in like those charity cases where you know the the effectively cardboard box that people carry around and my mom's like, she can't turn down like a discount, right? So she's gone out and she's grabbed like about probably 50 boxes at $5 each. And each of these boxes, it's like Dove chocolate. I don't think they sell it anymore. But there are about 24 of these chocolates in each um, box. They're about to expire the next day. So that's why they were so cheap. But no one knew that. And anyways, what I did was I took them to school and I effectively pretended that they were for charity <laughs> and I undercut all the people who were selling them for $2 each by selling them for a dollar. How much money did you make? Oh man, like probably probably about 50 bucks a week I was making off it. You would have been balling, man. Like $50 a week in like, that was year seven, right? You're, you're, you're doing well. That's awesome. And how long did that one last? Um, it lasted until the chocolates ran out. So it's probably about three months or so. Yeah, three months. No one caught on that you were selling expired chocolates? Oh, no, I got in trouble. Like, uh, we had like a homeroom <laughs> where, you know, a teacher kind of picked up on it and she just started asking me questions. And, you know, I was like, no, they're not for charity, but she found out from someone else that I did. So 
I was told I couldn't do it, but I've always been a bit rebellious, so it didn't really stop me. I just hid it from it. That's that risk-taking, huh? Yeah, that's it. Risk-taking, that's a big part of entrepreneurship, right? I mean, no one talks about that. Hey, everyone talks about mindset, 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 but it's like not the, no one considers the idea of like, you have to go in willing to lose it all, right? Mm-hmm. But what's, well, your, what's your approach to risk? Oh, like I used to be a professional gambler. So, you know, like risk, uh, I love risk. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel alive. Like it's what, it was, it's what keeps things exciting, right? Well, actually, I've never asked you that. How did you, because for everyone listening, by the way, like G used to play um, yeah, poker professionally. Um, how did you get started on that? Why? <laughs> why? Why the fuck would you want to stay up till like midnight or one o'clock playing poker with a bunch of blokes who are getting pissed at the casino? Yeah, yeah well, it started in it started in high school, right? So everyone would come in, and that was when like they had like the World Poker Tour on TV. So everyone was just really getting into it as a massive craze. And I just figured that when I was at school, I'd bring along more money than anybody else, and I'd outbet them. So I just keep on bluffing every single hand with nothing. And no one was willing to meet my bet. So I put out like $5. And that's like, you know, the other kid who's coming in for, that's his lunch money. And he's like, well, if I were to spend this five bucks, I can't buy myself lunch. So it just became this continual sort of thing. And, you know, off that, I just loved it. And I realized I could make money off it. Like, you know, I'm an extremely analytical person. So, you know, and I enjoyed the highs and lows and the ups and downs of it. So what ended up happening was I just went into playing and then I was making money and then I started going to the casino every single weekend. Went from going to the casino to then playing online and all of a sudden I've got all this tracking software and I'm playing like nine, ten tables all at the exact same time. Really? How much yeah. money were you making then? So I think like in my first year of poker, um, this would have been back in 2005, like one year after high school, I was making about probably about 35 to 40K in my first year, which all my friends were working in Woolies and at that time that was way more than they were. That's good coin for when you're, you know, 18 or so. Yeah, yeah. And the thing was, it was so much fun. Like, I have the coolest job ever. You can imagine in, like, other people, they're just like, so you just sit there and just play cards all day. I'm like, yeah, it's the best. But the problem with poker is that you're not actually satisfying a whole bunch of your life needs because you're not serving and you're not helping anybody. It's such a personal sort of thing. And at the end of the day, what you're actually doing is you're taking money from degenerates. Like, you know, you sit around at a table and it's disgusting. Like everyone's like pointing out, like we call them in poker, we call them fish. Like who's the fish? And you've got like five professional players sitting at a table all trying to take money off one or two people who've come to the table who just don't know how to play. How long did that take? Like that feeling that you're literally just taking this guy's money? Because, you know, you would have seen like a rookie come to the table like, yeah, that guy's a fish. How long did it take for that to start eating at your soul that that's what you're doing? (laughs) You know, like I think like, it was less when I was younger, but I did it for six years. So over time, I was just like, I just began to kind of think about it more and I was just a bit dissatisfied with life. You know, I didn't really have too much direction and I was earning less and less money. So I think like I just started disliking it. It's like what went from a fun game is just like grinding, sitting there at a table, you know, it becomes mechanical because you're just doing one thing after another. So I really started to hate it. But at that stage in my life, I didn't really have too many other skills. That was kind of it. So what did you move on to from there? Well, I think like the big moving on factor at that time where things really changed were my girlfriend at the time, she kind of said to me, she was um, studying to be a doctor and she goes to me, so when we decide to have kids, you know, I want you to be the stay-at-home dad. That's I'll a bold here. question. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, considering that we broke up soon afterwards. But it just like really got me thinking and there's something, you know, for me being a man where I was like, 
all of a sudden I was like, geez, like I'm not going to be the breadwinner. I'm not going to be a person providing. I'm what, what's my life becoming? You know? Why do you think that was so important for you to be the breadwinner? You know, for me, it's, I think it's got to do with the way that you brought up. I think one of my needs that I have to have in life is being a provider. That's it. It's just like I just grew up watching my dad look after our family. And, even, you know, we were well off. We were well off. And it was just like what he was able to provide for him, us, you know, the schools that he was able to send us to. And just in general, seeing that and having a need and desire, I don't really know. Um, and I feel like I had to do, you know, I've had to do that myself. It's important. Yeah, it's crazy, man, because there's so many dudes, you, you see, like we we share this thing. It's, a, it's an inherently masculine trait. This is what we want to do. We want to go out, hunt. We want to get the food. We want to bring home the bacon at the end of the day. And it's a really, really crushing thing when you come to terms with, I'm not doing that very well, like really, really tough. So then, okay, so you're playing like playing poker, started sucking away, like you started losing the the passion for it, losing the love. But actually, what, what did poker teach you? Because you would have learned something from it. You 100% would. I mean, we, we've talked about it, right? Like, what did you take away from playing poker professionally? So I'm going to be teaching my kids one day from like age six how to play poker. That's how much belief, not not because of the gambling side of it, but just the life skills that it gives you. Like I truly do believe I owe where I'm at in business now to poker because it's pretty much an MBA in business with all the different facets and the ability to learn and analyze is just so, so fast. Like how's that, an MBA, MBA? Like how's it an MBA in business? I wouldn't say it's just a term I used. But yeah, like, but you know, like, what, what did you get from it? I think like initially, it's like knowing your numbers. Mm. It's the same numbers over again, just like in business where you need to know your numbers. Like, are you making money? Are you losing money? You know, the cards. You know, should you be calling that bet based on what they have? Figuring out what your opponent has, being analytical about that, and just knowing calling those cards with certainty, being able to read people. You know, having the emotional intelligence to be able to go, that person's bluffing right now, looking at their facial reactions, you know, knowing exactly what someone says and what that actually means. It's bankroll management. If I go and spend, if I've got $10,000 in my bankroll in poker and I put $10,000 on a table and I lose it, I'm done. If I go and spend like 5% of that bankroll, I can afford to keep on playing, which allows me to move up to the next stake in the, in the game. And it's a real understanding because you're effectively running your own business, right? From a very, very early stage. And every poker player I talk to says the exact same thing. A lot of poker players go into the into business and they're so well prepared. Totally. You've got to be risk averse too. I mean, that's one thing, I, as, as I said at the start, it's like, I think so many people are just like, they want certainty. It's like, how often do we see, I mean, we've both done fitness business coaching, right? How mm-hmm. often do you see someone who comes in, they want to make a hundred grand straight off with no effort and no input without the, the idea of failure. And it's like, mm-hmm. not entertaining that idea of failure is really fucked. Like if you want to win, you have to entertain the idea that you can fail because otherwise you won't do the things that, that you require in order to win. I think that one's fucking massive. How was it? How did you cope with that? And how did you actually manage that? Looking and knowing that every single night, if you fucked up, if you didn't analyze, properly if you didn't do your job properly you would literally lose your money right then and there on a table it's it's massive so imagine this you're telling all your friends you're playing professional poker they reckon you have the sweetest job in the world right but then like you know you start losing money are you going to tell anyone what sort of gambler tells people honestly and genuinely how much money they've lost <laughs> it's like crypto traders <laughs> you're only here when they're one they say I'm making shitloads on Bitcoin at the moment and then the uh, then the bear market comes in and it's like oh, oh we don't talk about that anymore that, that, that's it and that's that's what poker became it became boring it became a grind the quality of the you know it's just like with ads the quality of the competition improved and then your ads get tougher 
So I was making less and less money as things went through. And then it all kind of, I, it all capitulated. And like this fear of failing, like I didn't really, it was there to an extent, but a lot of the time I just like, I was willing to face it no matter what. It's like, you know, you have that fear there, but it's just like, sometimes you decide to butt it head on, or sometimes you decide, hey, if I'm going to cripple me and I'm not going to do the thing that I want to do. Right. Well, why do you feel like what prepared you to be ready to face that? Because I, I remember my first time gambling is my last time gambling. I put two <laughs> bucks in, in a pokey and I lost and I thought, fuck this and never gambling again. Right. And so I've never done it since. What built you to have such a high tolerance to risk? I think a part of it comes back to home life. I think one thing that my parents did really well with me was they always made me believe that I could do anything in the world. Absolutely anything. Hmm. And, you know, having that security, I think that coming from a family where I was reasonably well off probably helped as well because what that meant was I always had the safety security of mum and dad's money if I needed it, right? So I think that that's a part of it. And I think that just getting used to it, you know, failing a lot and because of that, just going, hey, there's actually no downside to failing and just picking up on that, like being told no consecutively just over and over and over again, but just having the resilience and persistence to keep on going. So it's not about like having the risk aversion. It's, it's really knowing then from what, I, what I'm hearing there is that it's that failure is okay. You can fail, you can screw up and everything's fine. Your world's not going to implode. So how would you teach someone that? I'm going to add one more thing to that. Like I think there's a sort of, you know, I don't know if you call it a sickness or what, but like for me, the thought of losing everything, this is going to sound really weird. The thought of losing everything doesn't even bother me because I know I'd be able to make it back. I have that much confidence in my ability in business and the skill sets I've developed over time that just wouldn't matter. Did you always have that confidence? Well, maybe, maybe I'm delusional. Probably someone <laughs> listening. <laughs> you have um, to be to be successful in business, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just something that's just like growing and growing and growing. Like I think a lot of it is you know not having huge responsibility. Obviously, I've got more responsibility now. I have a partner. I have a puppy. I pay for all sorts of things. I've got a car loan, etc. Like it's there, but the worst case scenario is never as bad as people think. And so then from there, man, like really back to asking about like, how would you train someone? How would you train someone to have that mindset where it's not actually as bad as what you think that failure is okay? How would you, because there's a lot of people who struggle with that, right? I mean, we look into it and to anyone who have coached, we look around, there are certain people who win and certain people who won't. The people who win are the ones who are invariably more tolerant to risk and able to take bigger chances on themselves. How would you coach someone on that? I think that for most people, they need to be able to face their fears. They need to just go head on. And getting someone to do that's a really challenging thing. Like you've really got to go deep in that person's mind and figure out why. Like this, this is this is your world, really. Like, mm. you know, like I can, as a coach, I can give someone the technical skills, but like the difference between someone who's succeeding and failing in our program often comes down to their mindset. So for me, it's just like, you know, like, and perhaps this is something that I can do better, but it's like, you know, I'm sure you have a, a another answer that's going to completely trump what I do, but it's just constantly reinforcing the fact and teaching people that the worst case scenario is never that bad and asking people to talk through the process of what happens if they do lose all their money or in this case, not all their money, if they do lose $100 in a week when they're paying for ads on Facebook. Totally. It's, it's something about that, man, which is really cool. I actually love what you said about, because we haven't discussed this before, the, about 
if you lost it all, everything would be okay and everything would be fine. So, I mean, I, I look at everyone who's successful and there is that sense of certainty, even with, uh, with uncertainty, as much as that sounds like super paradoxical. But if you look at people who can't get out of their own way, it's because they're so anxious and so, uh, so uncertain about the future and what they do and they just won't ever back themselves. I think that's massive. It's like, how, how would you, I'm not, I'm not asking you to answer now, but it's a really cool thought. How would you teach somebody to become okay with failure and learn that fucking up is okay because you've had that since you're a kid like how could you shift someone because not everyone had that sort of upbringing right as, as you said you're super privileged you had amazing parents who were super switched on not everyone had that in fact fuck i've coached a heap of guys who've had absolute shitbag parents right who were you know obviously the humans just trying to do the best that they can but they were pretty fucking lousy as being a human it's like do you have any idea how you could help someone like that shift into that 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 mindset where failure is actually okay i think this is kind of like out of my scope like it's something that you know, I'd love to know more about and I really feel like this is the sort of shit that you do with your guys, right? Mm. Yeah. You know, you, you, you really help men break through barriers. So, like, I think you're far more qualified than me to kind of go into that. But. I was just hoping you had something I didn't know. <laughs> I wanted to learn something more. But I, I say it all the time. I look, I look at, like, you and then I look at, I look at like, Matt Boone, who hopefully we'll, we'll have on soon, and then Sackle and then, you know, the guy Marcus, big jacked, you know, mining contractor. Um, and you look at everyone, it's like, fuck, Marcus is a cool story. I'm, I really want to get him on soon. But it's like, that dude has been through hell, like busted his body up, drives really fucking fast cars, goes like high level arm wrestling and then works a hundred hours a week. Like the dude does everything, but there's never like a sense of failure and there's never a fear about it at all. It's just like absolute supreme confidence, which is really, really fucking cool, man. Like super, super cool. And so I guess like from going back to like where we were, so you, you're at poker. You learn about, you got your MBA in business without having to go to uni. Fuck, how overrated is uni, by the way? And I dropped out twice. Yeah. <laughs> Did you study? <laughs> uh, first, first time I studied um, psychology and business. The second time was uh, journalism. Why did you drop out? Because I was playing poker and I was making a perceived large amount of money. And, you know, I just feel like the traditional university system is a failure in that it doesn't actually give you life skills. I learned everything about business through poker, through my own studies, through watching videos on YouTube and just like being in the grind, failing every single day. And then you learn like, you know, I was doing business, right? And what, are, what am I actually learning? I'm learning like how to manage people. I'm learning like accounting. I'm literally setting myself up for a future prison. So what is it? What are the life skills you feel that uni misses? It's the practical approach to actually just getting things done. And like, you know, like, we, we just we just talked about this, but more so than anything else, like we're really nailing down on like what makes success, right? It's like the fact that you're willing to just continuously keep on failing. That's what business is. It is. It seriously is. It's just, you know, I'm having a light bulb moment right now, but it's just like trialing new things, figuring out what works. You throw shit at a wall, something works, and you could do more of it. Yeah, figure out, yeah. Which, which bit of poo is that that stank? <laughs> <What's> that <laughs> that stank? Which stuck? It all stinks. But which yeah. bit, which bit actually stuck? Yeah, it's crazy because I, I totally agree about uni and uni. It costs, fosters this weird. I find anyway this weird attitude of entitlement. Like when we were hiring for for guys to come and work with us, we found that the people who just went through the school of hard knocks were so much more qualified in a lot of ways than the guys who've gone through and done degrees. Like I've literally talked to people who've got degrees in psychology who have no fucking idea about life or like how, how someone works. And I've got someone who's been through like a heap of their own bullshit and came out on the other side who is immensely, immensely valuable. It's crazy, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, 
I, I, I just feel that like, you know, everyone has a desire as to what they want to achieve. And I think like I have a good understanding of the psyche of what goes into uni. I went to North Sydney Boys, which is a selective school. So it's really only the top five of the percent of the population who get into that sort of school. And the way that they trained you, the way that they trained you to think, it was that mentality of, hey, you're going to go out there and be a professional. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a lawyer, um, a dentist, psychologist, whatever that is. And, you know, you're effectively going to day to day, you're going to work your ass off, particularly accountants, actuarials, right? 60 hours a week, you're going to have no life. You're going to be miserable. And your family life's going to suffer. Every part of your life suffers because you don't have the freedom to get away from that job that, you know, that skill that you've built up. And it kind of pigeons you into a certain lifestyle, which yeah. is really beyond your control. Exactly. Mm. And, we, you know, I went to our high school reunion. This is still a while back. I'm looking forward to my next one. But like everyone like who I spoke to there, everyone had like aged dramatically. You know, I still feel like I was looking way younger than everybody else. And I'd ask people about, oh, what do you do for work? And people just go, no, it's boring, right? That was, that was a typical response. And people were really, really interested in what I was doing because it was so different, you know? And I think like one thing with business is there's just so many different worlds, like so many different things to talk about. It's a really good feeling to know that the direction that my life had gone and I mean, it's just sad that I think that, you know, the way I viewed like some of my friends and the directions that they were going, they just feel trapped. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because you look at like, uh, if I had got, like I got, I think, what did I get in my ATAR? I got like 91 point something in my ATAR and I needed 92, I think, to get into the course that I wanted. <laughs> if I had got that, I would have been a doctor right now. And I was like, fuck, I would have been so miserable looking at that. It's like school does a brilliant job of pushing us down that professional path. But I think that there's a certain, I think there's a certain part of the population who that's fucking awesome for. Like that's the best thing ever. I know guys who love their nine to fives yeah, and are just like living the dream. But there's guys like you and I, it's like, fuck, it'd be really, really miserable. And like that whole path, it just doesn't work out for us at all. Like if you had to guess, and I know one thing this is probably stretching beyond what you'd normally talk about. Like if there's one thing that was different about you and the guys who you went to school with, guys who would probably be quite happy in a nine to five, what do you think it is? Like what's the difference between people who are successful in business and love business and really, really enjoy that risk compared to people who don't? It's the same. You know, I think it's the same. Like I was never conservative in nature. You like look at the situation with the poker hands that we were playing. All these guys, North Sydney boys, like they literally were just happy to lay down their hands that were winners because they didn't want to take the risk. That's it. Like I'd bet B and they'd go, I know I've got the best hand, but I'm going to fold anyway, even though I know I'm in front. And that was a common thing. Everyone kept saying the same thing. No one actually had the balls to, you know, put their lunch money on the line and, you know, see if I was telling the truth or not. Yeah. So just risk more, fail more. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so when cool. you when you dropped out of so you, you dropped out of uni twice and then you stopped playing poker, what was the next move for you after then? Well, I'd always been um, the chubby overweight kid in high school. And you know, at that stage I just broke up with my girlfriend, needed to get myself in shape. And it was then like my business partner, AP, um, who kind of said to me, Hey mate, you're getting really fat. And I was like, Yeah, I am. It's a good friend. <laughs> it's a very good friend. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And it, he got the action out of me, like direct people like you and I, we respond really well to really blunt feedback. And he just said, you're getting overweight. Why don't you come to the gym? He was a personal trainer at the time. Mm. So he got me in the gym. I started training with him every single day. He gave me a nutrition plan and I got shredded to pieces. How'd that feel? Going from the yeah. chubby kid to shredded. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, I was walking home. This is when I was still with my, um, my girlfriend and I had two girls approach me 
And they're like, do you want to have a threesome? I was just like, I would love to, but I cannot. You didn't break <laughs> up with her then and there? Well, this is one of the catalysts for breaking up with her as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you at least get their number and then finish it later? No, they were travellers. They were Swedish girls just up in uh, Byron Bay. So it's just a one-time opportunity that I uh, missed out on. That's right. Those things happen. Uh, that's golden man we'll edit that little bit out of the podcast and we'll give ellie the copy where that little bit's not included how's that sound (laughs) (laughs) well it's fine i can share anything anything that's Uh, she's awesome man all right so okay so you're getting you're getting shredded to pieces and then what was your next move yeah shredded to pieces and then i was like you know i'd finished up with poker like um i had pretty much poker came to a sudden halt when i lost a huge amount of money Oh, yeah, please tell us about that story as a cracker. Please tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much um, I was, you know, I kind of, I think I have to explain first like where I was because I became a personal trainer and this will create context for the next part of the story. And I effectively, you know, Andrew was a personal trainer. I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with myself? And I was like, okay, well, I suppose, you know, I need something. I love this. I love the way I feel. I want to help other people feel the way that I'm feeling right now. And, you know, I was just like, I didn't have anything else to do. I, you know, I'd started losing money at poker right at this stage. So I kind of just wasn't making as much. I think like I was in about my fifth year of poker at this stage and I was still earning a similar amount to what I was in my first year. And that just becomes sad at that stage. It's probably a little bit less, if anything. And it was just getting tougher and I hated it. So then I was like, well, I'm just going to become a personal trainer. I can do this eight week course. Bang. I'll have some work doing something that I absolutely love and passion took over at that point in time. So I suppose I was a trainer and I'd been going for about a year and a half. And I just think there was something that left me unsatisfied. Like I was working for a company, it was like a vision personal training and really long hours, getting up at 5am, doing a split shift, going back, being there till 9pm, not having any sort of real life outside of work during the week. And there was just something missing. I wasn't like quite into business. And I think uh, business has always been my number one passion. So I kind of just started playing poker again. And I remember, you know, while I was doing this, and I was just kind of doing it for fun. And then all of a sudden I made like 40K in the space of like two months. And, you know, that was big money at the time because personal training was paying me like 50K a year, right? And then to suddenly pick up 40K in two months. And I just went fucking wild, right? Absolutely wild. I'm like, what, what uh, does wild entail? <laughs> Wild means that I was going out to party all the time because I had loads of money. I started getting into business. I like bought a car um, and then like, you know, I went out west, bought a car and sold it for $5,000 more like over in uh, the beaches here where I live in Northern Beaches. I went into King's Cross and I paid in advance for a three-month stint there. Um, And because I was in King's Cross, like every night of the week, there was someone else there. That's, that's a typical downfall, isn't it? Moves to King's Cross, everything goes to shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And drinking drinking all the time. And of course, a few little happy pills got involved every now and then as well. A couple of disco biscuits, huh? That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Okay, and so then where did that leave you? So that left me at this stage. Like When you drink that much and you're taking disco biscuits, that affects your mental health. You know, it, it just has to at some stage. And I think that like feeling like shit all the time apart from when I was partying. And and I remember this night like so, so vividly, but I was kind of like a little bit rattled, a little bit anxious at the time. And it it was my sister's birthday and we just had dinner at like a Chinese restaurant in the the cross sort of area. And I remember having such a fantastic night and I'm like, 
going in there and I'm like boasting to my family about how much money I've made recently and how well everything's going. I had about like 20K left of this 40 at this stage, just like living the life, right? Really selling it, really selling it. And then I went home that night and I lost like $1,000 in the space of like two minutes. I'm like, fuck, I need to make this money back, right? And it was like, okay, well, put down another 1,000 and let's flip a coin and see if I win that money back. I lost it again. You're betting like a 1,000 at a time. Well, I, I, I logged into a table, right? And I ended up with my last probably $7,000 and I put $7,000 in it on one table when I only had 20. So I lost 13 mm. and I chucked $7,000 on a table. First hand I play, he, he, the guy bets, I effectively go all in, I get called, right? And he has a better hand than me and I lose everything. And I'm just sitting there going, fuck, what do I do? I have nothing right now. Like I literally hit rock bottom in terms of finances. That sucks. <laughs> Why do you think you started doing so? Because that's pretty dumb, right? Let's be honest. That's but pretty it's, stupid. It's way. dumb. Like I talked about bankroll management, right? That's it. That's bankroll management one-on-one. And you've got to be in control of your emotions. Why after six years you fuck up? Hmm. You feel this instant moment of pain. You lost a thousand bucks. You lost two thousand dollars. And it's like, how do I fix that problem? How I'm, you know, it's super, I'm super, super competitive, right? Super competitive. And then I'm like, I know how I'm going to fix this problem. It will go away in 10 seconds time if I try to double it. And then it's come. I'm happy again. Because you ride these waves of high and low and high and low all the time. Mm. And, you know, you're always chasing that high. It's an, you know, it's an addiction. Like for the most part, I could keep in control. But at this stage, like at some point in time, I just lost it, right? Lost it mentally. Was it, do you attribute any of that to being on the gear and, and to drinking and partying and all that sort of stuff? Like that play a role at all? Like how did that affect it? Yeah, I think drinking and partying definitely did that because it's just like when you're feeling anxious, right? Things just roll through your mind. You just mm. kind of, you just, you're just overthinking. And when you're overthinking and you're overstimulated, it's like, what do I do? How do I fix this? How do I, you know, you know, get rid of this problem? And that was the solution that came up in that moment. But like, let's think like, that was a half second decision. That was just like, boom, let's go. And it's just gone, right? Gotcha. And so like, so after you lost it all, did you continue like going back? Did you pay, play poker ever again? Or did you give it up there? Um, I pretty much gave it up from there. I played a few times like socially, but I probably played since that point in time, probably would have played like 20 times. And it's never been sort of like hugely high staked or anything like that. It's just kind of been for fun with mates and a few times at the casino and stuff. But you know, I kind of was just like, all right, well, I don't want to feel like that again. And mm. I need something to replace that into business. Yeah, right. So you, pretty, you, swap, you swap one vice for this new, more positive vice of business, right? And that's the thing. It's, it's the same thing, right? That's, that's just it. It's just like one for the other. But like the poker prepared me for it because I literally had this entire adventure from starting straight, starting in high school, right, effectively, mm. underage gambling, through to like when I was like 24, 25, where I've learned all these things and I've just repetitively done business every single day. And then I come into business and I'm like, okay, well, I'm figuring out the maths behind how I make money from the very start. And I started my business knowing my numbers. The business was based on my numbers, not on emotional feeling and so forth. I figured out how I was going to make it super profitable. 
So from the number of people, you've obviously coached a lot like in, in, in business coaching, right? Out of all the people who come to you, how many know their numbers right from the get-go? This is the most boring thing to talk about, but still I want to talk about it. It's fucking important. How many know? Yeah, numbers are fucking sexy. Numbers are sexy. Like, I don't know what numbers uh, you're looking at, bro. Different ones to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, like we get people from all different, you know, stages. Like there are some people who have been well-established in business, but generally people who are starting out with business, it's like... Less than 5%. Really? What are, yeah. What about you? Zero. <laughs> We've got guys who are in, in big business. I've got some guys who are doing extraordinarily well. Like, you know, we go, I coach some fucking awesome people and there are loads. Uh, I've had one fella. I love this dude to death. He's one of my most favorite clients I've ever coached. He's just a beautiful human being, but he didn't have, he's, he's very, very successful in a lot of areas, but he just didn't have, uh, and this is a multi, multi-million dollar business, right? This guy's running. Mm-hmm. Didn't have KPIs for himself, right? He didn't set out like what, what it, where he's at. He didn't have a true like profit and loss, like all this sort of stuff. So that was pretty crazy. I've literally, I can't remember the last time I've had someone come to me for mentoring around this sort of area where they have their numbers dialed in. And it's crazy, right? Because how the fuck do you know if you're actually doing anything that works if you don't have your numbers dialed in? That's it. And most people don't know if they're succeeding or failing. Maybe they don't want to know. That's like how I started things. It's just like, it's a business plan. How you want to get your head in the, in the sand. Well, most people start business because they're passionate about something. Like how many times have you heard, like I heard this not that long ago, like I was talking to someone, I played beach volleyball and the guy was like, yeah, I'm going to sell childcare, so stuff like uh, prams and strollers and cots and beds and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, why are you selling that? Oh, like we just really kind of like, you know, my wife's really into kids and so forth and we just thought it'd be a good idea. And I'm like, well, how are you going to sell it? And he's like, oh, we've got a website. I'm like, that's not going to sell your product. Like how are you going to move it? And people, you know, they're doing that because they're passionate about the thing that they're selling, not because they're passionate about business. So they just started in the wrong place. Totally. Can we go into that a little bit more? Because I see this mistake all the time. Why is when someone says, oh, I have a website, why is that not going to automatically guarantee that company is going to crush it in business? Pretty much people, you need to be able to get traffic to that website. And if you don't have a medium to get people to that website, there's no way of growing. It's the biggest thing I hear all the time. I ask someone with a really cool fucking idea because there are so many cool ideas which don't go well. And it always starts with that. It's like the traffic. You're not getting your your face. You're not getting your brand in front of people. You're not getting your ideas out there. So actually, can you give us a little bit of perspective on what you're doing? Let's start off with, would you like to talk about you know, which of your businesses do you feel is going to be the best one for us to talk about if we go deep dive on it? The, the logical order is probably um, the health business thyroid. Right. Cool. Let's start there. So how do you get like that? So can you tell us a little bit about that business as well for a bit of context? Yeah, yeah. So that business kind of started up. I was working as a franchisee at Fitness First. I had a bunch of trainers working for me. I have thyroid problems myself. And, you know, like this comes down to, again, wanting to help people who've gone through a similar thing to myself. And at the gym, like every time someone with hypothyroidism would come in, I'd get a referral from the team. Um, on the ground and say, hey, we've got someone here. And then I'd be able to relate to them. And I was like, gee, those are my favorite clients. I love helping them. And then I was like, well, how do you reach people with hypothyroidism? And I was like, well, I could probably do this online because at the moment I'm in this gym, it's impossible for me to scale. I was having all sorts of issues with staffing and so forth and working under a facility. I was like, I can take this online. And this is so specific that people are going to come and work with me. And I was just like, that was just a no brainer. 
And then from there, how did you get it kicked off? Pretty much. I learned a lot of skills. When I started opening the gym, I did a lot of mentorship and I learned how to do Facebook ads. And as soon as I saw the numbers, I was just obsessed. Same as poker. Just like I had my trackers for poker software that were all my numbers. So I had like little overlays that would tell me everything about every player, like all the decisions they've made. Mm. And then I go back and I'm, I started running Facebook ads. When I started running Facebook ads, I did them for the gym. So I was bringing in loads and loads of people to the gym. No other trainer and fitness person was doing that. They were getting people off the gym for. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to put up an ad. I paid for some help with ads. I had some coaching and so forth. I put up an ad. Um, I sent people to a Facebook group, like just a really basic ad, um, targeting women who had thyroid problems. And we started getting leads for about 30 cents each. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those were the days of Facebook. You we could go back there now. We could go back there now. We'd have uh, we'd have eight million dollars in the uh, bank account, like straight up. Like, oh. Gee, you, it's funny. Like at the time, you're like, oh, this, is so, this is tough. But then you look back at it and you go, I would absolutely smash that right now, dude. I remember back in the day, right? I remember putting in two dollars into Facebook ads. Yes, that's right. I was stupid enough to only put two dollars into Facebook ads once, right? Two dollars and pulling out hundred and sixty, right? That's an eighty times return on ad spend. Do you know what I did with that 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 160 bucks? I didn't put it back into Facebook ads. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what a fucking opportunity did we miss there? I remember because we were into Facebook ads quite early. We were doing this is about five, seven years ago. I was making a fair bit of coin. We're doing like 500 grand a year, which was a lot for when I was 20. I was like, I'm fucking loaded, right? I've got all this money, I've got all this stuff that I'm doing, which is pretty cool. But I just remember like looking at Facebook ads and then thinking, oh, they're so expensive. How outrageous is that? How much they're charging for it? You compare it to now, it's like, fuck, like, what do you spend per week? If you don't mind me asking, like on Facebook ads at the moment? Yeah, probably averaging about 35K a week. 35K. So it was, a, it was a, like a million, bit over a million and a half a year <laughs> on that. It's like, shit, can you imagine if we put that much money into it back five years ago? <laughs> oh, gosh. That'd be fun. Like, you know, like the game gets tougher, right? It's always getting tougher. But you know, as long as you keep up and you keep your level of knowledge, you know, ahead of the game, that's how you make money. It's just how do you do that for you? Like, how are you keeping your knowledge ahead of everybody else? Well, it's just like it's trial and error, right? You just have to try enough things. Like, I think a lot of people, what they do is they get into business and they try one thing. Like, you know, in Facebook, you've got so many different things you can maneuver. You can have like different photos. You can have different copy. You can have a different offer. And what people do is they try one thing. They try one offer, they try one copy, they try one photo or one video and it doesn't work and then they run away and don't use it again. What we do is like every single week, we try 30 different photos. Every week, we try three different copies. Every week, we change up our offer. And because of that, this person over here who's trying to do Facebook ads done one combination. And when you multiply all those combinations through, I've tried like a thousand combinations in a week. So I find the thing that's going to work the best before anybody else does. Just because you're just tenacious and you're testing, you just test, 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 test. Yeah. In the, in the industry, we say test and measure. Simple as that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you feel more? Because like, that's super, it's super simple, right? Like the simplest, easiest way we do something very, very similar to that, obviously, because I've learned a lot of it from you. So why do you feel most people don't? I think it comes down to people being overwhelmed, not knowing what to do. They generally look at the technology and they go, how does this work? It's a fear of, you know, it's a fear of failure. You know, like when you did yours, you know, you put in $2 and like you didn't really have a strategy in place. You didn't really kind of think of the numbers. It's like you put $2 in, you pulled out 160, right? Or was it 80? 
one of the two, doesn't matter. And you're just like, this is, this is great, but, like, you just had to reinvest that. Like, I'd be telling you, if you were my client back then, put the $160 back through, 80 to 1, just keep on doing it until, <laughs> until you've got millions in your bank account, right? Just keep on going over and over and over again. Well, how people- did you learn about Facebook ads, though? Because that's like a thing, because back then that was super, super new. And it's not like you would have just picked it up, up off, off the street and just because like you're smart, man. But like, that's a, that's that's an idea. Like, where did you get the idea of going into Facebook ads and, and bringing clients in that way? Okay. So I think that hiring mentors and there were just courses that showed you how to set them up. Mm. And I was very lucky that, well, I wasn't lucky. I suppose like I just really utilized the mentors I had. I was like, hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? I was real pest. And it's just constantly asking questions. And in the mentorship program, I was definitely, you know, I always think that whenever I do a mentorship program, I'm probably always going to be in the top 1% of students who go through it because I'm the person who's going to use the information I've got, try a million different things. Now, I think the big thing with this was I started to try things on my own. You know, I hired lots of agencies to run my ads. And every single time I hired an agency, what would happen is they'd set it up. I'd go through, I'd see exactly what they'd done. And then I'd just have a mission because I needed to beat the agency, <laughs> kind of to show them up. And uh, I've never had an agency that I can't beat because I understand more about, you know, ads. I'm willing to try more things. If you work for, go for an agency, like a lot of the time what they do is they'll spend like one hour a week on your account. I've seen what they've done and then I've taken my 10, 20, 30, 40 hours, whatever I want to do, figuring it out. And I'm just constantly, my mind works in a process where I'm going, how does that work? How do I fix this? How do I make it better? So just constantly understanding and analyzing absolutely everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a level of analysis, right? That's another big factor in business. It's like, okay, what did this work? Why did it work? How am I going to do it different? What am I going to try? And if you constantly think about that, you're narrowing down the cases. It's like the same thing with photos. Like It's not just about trying different photos. I know that if we're doing food photos, for example, that things that are green and eggs absolutely are winning right now. So what do I do? I try 10 different photos of green and eggs because, you know, there's that element of not just trialing like things at random. It's actually just like getting a bit of an understanding and getting an idea of what I expect to work. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so, okay, the next thing after that, how do you train people on to getting that mindset? Do you? So I think that, again, for me, the way that I really coach that is I'll talk about what I've done. And, you know, I'll often use that as a bit of an example about how I'm doing my accounts. Like, you know, that's the stuff that I'm just telling you about now. Mm. I show them literally in my account how I do it. And I let them know that the reason I'm successful is because of this. Right. So people need to know what's possible. I think that's the big thing. People don't realize the possibilities out there. They're mm-hmm. closed minded. They're thinking about the now. And I think like they're emotional. This didn't work. They get angry. Whereas you've actually really got to take emotions out of it and you've got to help people think logically. So you're talking like the difference between thinking short term and long term. Yeah. It's, just, it's the same thing like, you know, in weight loss, which we're both very familiar with, someone doesn't lose weight in one week. It's always about, hey, what does someone look like six months after working with you and doing a full program and they've lost like 15 kilos? But weight loss is like, oh, you had a pizza for dinner? Oh, you Mm. gained two kilos the next day because you're holding extra water. And it's not, you don't see the results unless you look at it from the big picture 
and you go, okay, look, I lost that 15 kilos in 26 weeks. Well, it's, it's crazy, man, because like in literally everything in life, the short-term option is generally the shitter option. And it's like we see this all the time. We're looking for get-rich-quick schemes. People, we, we, we always fall for the same shit. Hell, even I fall into the same trap like over and over and over and over again. But it's just like that long-term is the most important mindset to have in absolutely everything. So I guess actually one thing I wanted to ask you as well, man, if you had... So obviously in this, we're going to be having a heap of guys who are watching who are either in business and wanting to scale their marketing or wanting to get into business. What would three pieces of advice that you have, what would be your best three pieces of advice for someone who wants to really scale up their business and make something that is long-term and actually survives and lives? Number one, finding the right mentor. You need to have someone who's done it before. You know, If you're coming to me and you want to be able to build an online personal training business, the, you know, the other service that we provide is we business coach people. We teach people what we've done. You know, as far as I know, we've pretty much got like one of the most um, successful high ticket fitness coaching, you know, systems in the entire world. Mm. So all we do with that is we let people copy that. So find someone who you can copy or model off, you know, who's already got that system that works. There's no reason that you need to recreate the wheel. Mm. I think that we really discussed this today, but it's being fearless, not giving a fuck if things go south. You know, mm. be willing to take risks, be willing to gamble and understanding what the worst case scenario is. And I think that, you know, what ties nicely into that is also just knowing your numbers. You know, what we're moving away from is we're moving away from emotional thinking into mm. logical thinking. And if you've mm. tracked down every single number about your business, you start to develop more and more information that helps you make decisions in the future. Totally. That numbers one is absolutely crucial. But I think like the biggest one out of this, the one thing I've like looked at you and the way that you've lived and the reason why you got to, to where you are, it's that risk, huh? Like the yeah. risk. And the and even with the risk in buy and going out and, and paying a mentor a shitload of money. You know the funniest thing, like I've spent I've spent we've both spent fuckloads of money on mentors. I couldn't tell you how much do you reckon you spent now on mentors all that? Both of us, both of us are seeing the same mentor who charges us like what 120k a year, right? So yeah. <laughs> a whole bunch of other services with that as well, but that's just one. Have to be close to like 300, 400K. Yeah, I think it'll be approaching about 400, 500, somewhere around that. It's a lot of money. Fuck, it's crazy how much of that you make back. Yeah, well, that's it. It's just an ROI and it's a skill set. And part of that mentorship is defeats the fear of failure because if I lose everything tomorrow, which wouldn't be a problem for me, I have mm. these skills, this knowledge that I've built up. I know that if shit went south and I had no money left, I'd just go talk to you and be like, hey, hey James, I'm running your ads. You're going to pay me 5K a month. And yeah. just be like, yep, you're Easy. that. Right? No brainer. It's crazy, man. You know, most people will invest. This is one thing I've never got. Most people will invest in the stocks before they'll invest in themselves. Like what yeah. type of return does a stock market get you? Like 7%. I've got a great funds manager and it's, it's 7%. But it's like, if you invest in you, what do you reckon your return on investment has been from investing in your own education, your own knowledge? You can't, you can't even put a number on it because it's like... It's, it's still going right, but even to this stage, how much do you reckon it's been? If you had to put, if you had to guess, like if you, if you look at it as a number, it's a pretty high percentage of the you know profit I've made in my life, right? Like mm. huge percentage of it. It's knowing about what that's going to make in the future, because what you've actually got in this situation is leverage. You had a huge amount of revenue come through, but like we got a mentor, right? And then we got a more expensive mentor. There's one for 120k, right? But yeah. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, you keep on investing in more mentors, knowing that, hey, the game that we want to play isn't about playing seven figures. Is it about playing eight figures? Do we want nine, right? Like, what's the mentor do you need to get to that? And that's part of the game. 
business is a game. I feel like you get to play Monopoly every single day and mm. you just keep on winning and winning and winning. It's easy in a Monopoly. Right. Well, I'd, I'd bet on you, right, to make $100 million, like to hit nine figures, right? To have a business which is over either X, it's four or something like that. Like, fuck, if anyone's going to do it, you're going to. What motivates you to actually want to do that? Part of, part of it's like an innate competitiveness. It's just like... Is it even it. about the money? No, not really. It's like, I think it's money represents the game. It's like, how much money can you collect? Even then, it's just like some people are profit-driven, some people are revenue-driven. And, you know, the way that you get to nine figures really quickly, you're not going to get there by taking out loads of profit and living this luxurious life, right? You have to reinvest that money. That's how, we, you know, we're going to hit eight figures later this year, right? And that's how we got there in the space of four years Mm. because we keep reinvesting in coaches back, money back into the business. We know that when we run an ad, we get a five to one. So what do you think I'm doing? I'm pushing that button on my Facebook ad and just, you know, dumping that money through and getting five to one back every time. So money is not the goal in the end. It's the yardstick. Exactly. You know, I'm going to win this game. I want more. I want more money than you. I want more money than everybody. <laughs> you and, want more you know, money than me. It's just like it's, it's fun, right? It's fun. That's what. That's what. That's what I love about it. It's like poker. You have this sensation, and you're like, okay, you win and you lose, and you feel mm. like shit. With business, it's more consistent because I know I'm going to make more correct decisions than most people, and I'm going to know my numbers, and it's more predictable. Like you can mm. continue to keep making that money. Mm. Right? Well, so if, if money isn't the goal, what is? What is winning the game for you? Don't get me wrong. Like everyone loves money. Hey, like I want money. You buy a Lambo. Yeah, I got to buy a Lambo one day. It's coming. Um, but what is the goal? The goal is really, it's like, what do you do? What, what do you wake up to do with your life? It's not even security because I'm not even driven by security because mm. I just feel a sense of confidence and power and strength that everything's always going to be fine. Mm. It's, it really, for me, it's part, part of this game. It really is the game. It's enjoying, it's winning. It's like, what do you do with yourself? I'm going to keep winning this game that I love every single day. And you mm. wake up, you know, happy and excited with passion because you're doing the thing that you love every single day. That's crazy about you saying that is that every single person, like obviously I coach a lot of high level dudes like you. And it's like every single guy who is like you and has that same thing is money isn't the answer. I see a lot of guys who are making like okay money and their goal is to make money. But if you actually want to go to that next level, there's this like shift in mindset where it's no longer about money. Money is just almost like a KPI, something to know that you're on track. But the real goal is just being absolutely fucking dominant at what you're doing and winning and winning and winning. And that's almost what it has to be, right? Exactly. Exactly. But dude, this has been super cool. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Now, I, as well, I'm obviously going to link up your page and your stuff down below so people can get access to this. But if someone for whatever, I don't know how the fuck the podcasting setup works and what it looks like, Charlie <laughs> sorts all that. If people don't have access to that link, how can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, the easiest way is to probably just hit me up on my personal account on Facebook, Andrew Gosen. You'll see my name there. And you know, just send me a DM, have a chat. Easy. Simple as that. Easy. We, also have, we also have our own podcast, um, which is for, we call it Seven Figure Fitness Business. You can look that up. And that's really about helping you know fit pros build successful fitness businesses just like our own and just gives all of information. But it's more than just fitness. It's actually life skills in business. So I think that'll be a really great watch for anyone who's really interested in you know understanding more my mindset and how I approach business. Hell yeah. That's cool. Man, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you, James. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure, dude. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, 
Click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.